it's that time of the year again, that time of the week, that time of the day. It's episode number 63 of the Development Hell podcast, starring yours truly, Chris Arches, Grumpy Programmer on Twitter, and at the other end, if you can just put down the goddamn controller and stop playing Fallout, it's Ed. Ed Finkler, how are you? Good. It's actually a full, it's a, it's an iOS game, but I, I don't think there's, care. A, there's an Android version. Don't too. care. Okay. Do you want to know more about it? No, we'll save it for um, Dev Hell After Dark when I can hang up as soon as you start talking about okay, it. Okay, that's fair. I can understand that. So on this exciting episode, we are going to talk about uh, something that may be of interest to our, our listeners because some of them are not just fresh out of college. It's the idea of old dogs learning new tricks to use an old North American, more likely, a, more likely an American colloquialism, basically to describe the attempt of older entities who are more set in their ways trying to learn how to do new things. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. Oh, yes, our sponsors. Um, sorry, I was playing my game again. We have two sponsors tonight because nobody else paid us. They are Rove. And see, these silences will fill in like exciting music or something like that. Remind me to do that. And Wonder Network. They're both wonderful, but only one of them has wonder in their name. Now at Rove, we've been hearing a lot of uh, talk about turnover about some people moving on, about folks who may or may not have been funneling cash into secret accounts for their own uses. Uh, it's my understanding that uh, Gary Hawken has moved on. Well, he's uh, jumped before he was pushed. I see. So it was a preemptive... Uh, preemptive move yes the race the the usual thing that exists in the tech world it was a race to the bottom no gary uh, gary is uh sadly for us but good for him um is leaving rove uh for the time being to go take uh what he describes as his dream job which is being an evangelist for a bloated um php ide yeah no you think he's lying right uh yeah, because I think basically with all the money he was siphoning off the sponsorship, he's not going to have to work for at least a year to 18 months. Right. So I'm not sure. I mean, he you know, he tweets a good game. Well, I guess the proof will be if I actually run into him at another conference and he's like actually talking about PHP Storm. But we'll see what happens. Has anyone called JetBrains to confirm that he's employed there? I don't know. Maybe I'll have to get our office assistant Priscilla to, uh, to look oh, into oh, that. Oh, definitely. Yes. So I guess the first question is who is uh, handling Rove Foundation now? That's an excellent question. It is. I do. I don't know at this uh, point in time. I do. What I can tell people is that um, Rove Foundation is actually going to be involved. We're trying to finalize something with uh, True North PHP. Uh, Very interesting uh, contest. I can leak a little bit of it. It's not final, but we're talking about running a contest that basically lets you lets you lets an attendee 
win a chance to be treated like a speaker. It should be very, very interesting if we can get everything together for it. I'm trying to think of something funny to say about being treated like a speaker. But actually, you treat it pretty well, so I guess it's all right. Yes, we do. We get to go to uh, this fancy Italian restaurant. They fuck up oh, our orders. I know. We're not going back there. Don't worry. Oh, really? Because it's... Oh, yeah. No. You, you were unhappy with how that went? Well, sure. I mean, one of these things, you go to a restaurant and they get people's orders wrong. And um, I mean... If they're, you know, you want to go to a place that's ready to accommodate the number of people that you have, it just sounds like they just simply weren't ready for us. So. Um, Morgan Tucker was very nice, but I, I think he ended up eating something that was like a deer right. or something that he didn't order. Like he had ordered shellfish and he got like a... And got the venison? Yeah, he got like a elephant tusk or something. <laughs> well... I'm surprised Morgan didn't say anything. But you're right, Morgan is a super nice guy and he's probably reluctant to say anything. Hey, he's way too nice. Way too nice. You need to be you need to be more of an asshole, Morgan. I, I yeah, love you, Morgan, on. but but you need to for for the sake of Oracle and my school, you need to be you be need to be more of an asshole. Don't you expect because if there's one thing we all know about Oracle, it's full of assholes. That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> no, I kid. I like Morgan and also um uh Dave Stokes Dave, is, is Dave. I see him at conferences all the time. He works for uh, MySQL as well. And so oh, right. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. Ba- one of the few guys I see on the uh, programming circuit, the conference circuit, who's actually physically larger than me. There's not too many of them. Him, um, Jason Ragsdale is another guy, um, are quite large humans who are programmers. So, But uh, Wait, yes, what? no. What no, did you say if you do, uh, Large humans. Large humans. Like how That's big? I am. I'm a large, like, he's like, he's like taller than I am. And built similar to me, so he's a Sasquatch. That's a large dude, yeah. Okay. But you know, oh, but he's he's older than me, so I still have youth on my. Oh well, you guys are like fish. The the older you are, you just keep growing your whole life. (laughs) It's like under the giant. I'm never going to stop growing. I'll be eight hundred. I'll be eight hundred pounds and eight feet tall by the time I die. (laughs) Just call me Fezzik. Anyway, anybody want a circus peanut? (laughs) <laughs> wow that's kind of racist actually ed what it was you're an, you're an anti-elephantite i don't like that oh fair enough yeah podcasts have died for died for less anyway, oh yeah that's, that's a good point so yeah so yeah I, I mean i know it's such a trite phrase to say but in terms of rove foundation we're kind of in a transition as we figure out who's going to take over some of these responsibilities. I have a sneaking suspicion I will be involved in some of this stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What? What are you laughing at? What's so funny? I don't get it. Uh. Oh, nothing. Oh, happy Canuck. Oh, nice to see them anyway. No, that, that started way before... We got into this. Yes. Hi, Mr. Kendall. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> nice try, Jeremy. He makes memes about you in, yeah, in our uh, Slack. We don't use IRC. We use Slack. Slack. Sounds perfect for your company. Yeah, I don't work very hard. That's true. All right. Enough about our awesome sponsors. Oh, uh, well, we didn't talk about Wonder Network, about how great they are. Well, but but people know that if they listen to the show forever, they know the awesome yeah. stuff that Paul and Will and uh, our new favorite friend Gemma Ansible and Ansible. 
Yep. Helping keep helping keep the the servers configured via automated playbooks. Mm-hmm. Actually, and, I don't think she does uh, DevOps, does she? Uh, no, I think she just does Dev. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, God, but, well yeah. God bless her because she saved that company. <sighs> yeah. But uh, thank them for the live broadcast they're doing right now. Yes, so that thank people you, can thank hear. you to Wonder Network for providing us the bandwidth so that the uh, seven people that follow us uh, on the stream can listen to this live. Yeah. And in my hand right now, as we speak, I have a picture of an incredibly youthful-looking Paul Reinheimer from oh. the awesome uh, ZenCon card set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have and, those too. Uh, he's yes. he's so tiny. Yes. Born in Vancouver, raised in Ontario, educated in Windsor. That's like, that's Paul's thing. But he looks so young. And he yeah. has morphed into a more awesomely compute human being. He even like runs like, like uh, does like uh, 5K and 10K races. And now it's awesome. He's making us all look bad and, and good on him for doing so. I've got 64K. Yeah, right. You have a 401K probably. Yep. Yeah. All right, so Ed, let's talk. Let's, are, are we done with the sponsors? Hang on. I, I'm collecting stuff for, that my vault dwellers are producing. Okay, good. Yes, we're done talking about the sponsors. I was just playing the fine game Fallout Shelter. Okay, unless they sponsor the podcast, I don't want to hear about the game. No, fair enough. Okay. Pay to play. No, I didn't. It's free. <laughs> Yes, I know, Ed. So, yeah. Uh, so, let's see. What's happening in the world of development? Uh, well, well, we bought a car. Yes. We're going to talk about this because I was talking about this beforehand. I have to take uh, the Tesmore mobile in for some repairs tomorrow. The uh, rear shocks need repair, replacing. They've, according to the wonderful mechanic at the uh, independent uh, auto shop that specializes in cars such as mine, has told Mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. the shocks have bled dry. So whatever. um, Kind of like your shtick. (laughs) 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 Whoa, zing. (laughs) Hey-oh. So, yeah, so tomorrow... um, they're, uh, I'm going to take the car in and they're going to give me a loaner to drive around. And so I'm going to demand another BMW to tear around the uh, streets of Milton in. Oh, tomorrow. okay. Do you get a, you get a loaner from this place? Well, they offered me one. They said, yeah, just bring your car. We'll give you another car to drive around in. And they, they, oh, that's uh, nice. it, it's a, it, it's an interesting setup. So they got the repair shop mm-hmm. and then they also have like a, like a tire dealership attached to it as well. And right. on top mm-hmm. of it, and on top of it, they also, um, buy and sell used cars. So it's kind of, Oh, okay. So they're a dealership. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're kind of like a dealership, but like independent dealership. Like I don't know any other way to describe it. And they have a lot of BMWs and Audis and other things there too. So at at least they've seen vehicles like mine when I drove in, um, uh, last Friday, two Fridays ago to, Mm -hmm. to get them to take a look at the car. So they think it's just the shocks, and hopefully it's not the shock mounts at the back. It just sounds basically, if you push the trunk down, the brake, the um, the springs squeak, which just means there's no more hydraulic fluid. Yeah, so when, like the, when the car's you, not the car's not like low riding or anything like that. It's not like bouncing all over the place when I drive. No, so I'm, I'm pretty me, sure there's no bouncing going on in that car. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> whatever that means, and. Uh, I don't know. 
17 years of marriage, Ed. And uh, <laughs> so the, the car doesn't like, you know, bounce wildly at the back when I go over bumps and stuff. It just squeaks. So I got my fingers crossed. It's just the shocks. And the price they quoted me is good. So I'm happy to get the work done and support a local business as well. So, but and, you were saying, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I so rudely interrupted you. You Please did interrupt me. First, I was going to say that you're probably going to, should check your invoice because I'm going to bet you're going to have bought like 25 tires. <laughs> well, well, oddly enough, I'm going to talk to them about, because I want to get winter tires for the car so I can tear around the neighborhood in the winter instead of like, oh, oh there's, yeah. a flake of, there's a flake of snow on the ground. I guess the car's staying in the garage. <laughs> so I'm going so to talk to them about um, getting snow tires for a test more and, uh, and then have them store the um, the all season ones that I have. That's a good idea. Hey, a cat just showed up. Yeah, I heard your cat. That's awesome. Yep. So you were saying just before that you got yourself a uh, a new automobile. Now I now last time I remember you had a Passat. Last time. Last time. Yes, you were and in I Chicago still have I still have a Passat. Okay. Uh, my wife's primary car is. 13 years old though. So that's, well, that was sounds like, my old, sounds like my old Taurus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So we got a new car for her, which is a Honda CRV. Very uh, nice. A gas guzzling giant. Actually, no, it gets about the same mileage. My Passat does. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's a 2014. So we got it used, but got a good deal on it. Uh, it's a good car. The cat so thinks cat, so. I was just say the category is that's about the biggest endorsement you'll Straight up. get. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we wanted to not have, we wanted to have a car that had a different, uh, let's say, operational footprint uh, that you could put stuff in, you know, and haul it around a little bit and stuff like that. Man, that makes total sense. We did the same thing when, uh, when we got rid of, because uh, we had two, uh, Pontiac vibes in a row that my wife oh, drove right. mm-hmm, or Toyota mm-hmm. matrix, I guess is the same. It's the same car. Is it? Uh, yeah. And I said, uh, I want to get something larger. So we, again, we could like haul more stuff around too. So that's what we did when we got the, we have a, a Chevrolet Equinox now, a 2012, I think, cause we're halfway through yeah. paying for it. Yeah. 2012. So to you, that's an import. No, they make it here in Canada. Actually. It's not an import. Oh, I wouldn't buy that then. <laughs> It's made in Ontario. I have driven past the very plant where it was made. Do they make them in Ontario so that they there's like is that's the only place they can get made with like kilometers on the uh, <laughs> no on the speedometer? <sighs> no, don't be no. It's just part of the whole. It's like why do you want to get into uh, North American trade relations for a couple minutes? So we can talk about why they build them in Canada. Yeah, tell me. I really don't okay, know no, or care, but go ahead. <laughs> well, it's because um, there's this little uh, trade agreement called uh, the Auto Pack, and so basically, um, basically, you uh, if the U.S. Auto, auto manufacturers to sell their cars in Canada, they were required to build a certain percentage of them in Canada. So there are uh-huh. whole lines of cars from the various auto manufacturers that are made in Canada and then sold in Canada and shipped down to the U.S. as well. Although that's changing. I read a good article in The Economist the other day about how um, a lot of the manufacture, auto, man, uh, 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 auto manufacturing is, is moving down to Mexico. The uh, quality, 
the qual well, it, the big thing now is that the actually the quality of work that they can get in Mexico is actually quite quite high. And some people are saying the Mexican workers are getting paid between ten and twenty percent what the Canadian ones get paid. So makes sense for them to well, move. Sounds about right. Production. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense to move it down there, right? Sucks for the people that work in the auto parts industry because it's one of these things where it's you know it really is an ecosystem, and there's a and there's a, like a domino effect when a mm-hmm. car man, you know an auto manufacturing plant closes, then all the ancillary business, the parts manufacturers, and then the companies that you know um, provide services to the people that work there, restaurants. Um, Things like that, right? I, I know that uh, to divert just for a second before we get into actual programming. It, yeah, I know. In Ontario, Oshawa, not not Windsor, Oshawa was a place where auto manufacturing was uh, a very, very high percentage of the local economy. And they mm-hmm. had lots and lots of plants there. And then when General Motors had most of its Canadian output there, and then, you know, like about 10 years, 10 to 15 years ago, when they started changing it and getting rid of it, um, you know, Oshawa's economy took a hit and it basically hasn't recovered and probably won't just th- those, all those jobs. It used to be, you could go right out of high school. Right. Um, or even drop out of high school and go work at the auto plant. And you could work there for 30 years and retire in your, um, late forties, early fifties. If you play your cards, right. With an awesome pension. Mm-hmm. And those days are done. Yeah, that uh, that is certainly an experience that we uh, have down here too, for sure. Yep, as manufacturing moves to uh, to cheaper locations. Yeah, and you know that's happened. I'm just I'm going to talk about a bunch of stuff I don't know anything about, and that's happened with the steel industry, lots of manufacturing yep. stuff, things like that. So yep. yeah, certainly that's been the way, and and you've had a lot of uh, and there's sort of been a a, a thing where you would. Yeah, you get straight out of high school, or maybe not. And you, if you were able to get in at the plant, you were set, and uh, you had a long pension and things like that. And then that's kind of falling apart for a lot of people. So, yeah, I really don't know what I'm talking about, though. So I should probably shut up. Anyway, we bought a car. Outstanding. Yeah, so that was fun. Well, CRVs are nice. My, yeah, they're nice cars. Uh, my brother, my brother-in-law and his wife had one that they sold when they moved overseas. Right. Uh, now, why is that? Did they not, they couldn't drive it to the place? Yes, they moved to South Africa. Okay. And uh, the steering wheel is on the other side of the road, uh, other oh, side as well. right. So they actually have rules that you're not allowed to drive imported cars mm-hmm. that have the steering on the, quote, I'm doing air quotes, incorrect side. So yeah. There was no point in them bringing the car. Uh, my uh, my brother in law's wife uh, works for oh, what the heck's the name? They used to be part of Kraft. I think they spun it off. It's called like Mondial, just an international um, food manufacturer. No one has and heard so, of that. You're making uh, that up. No, no, no. It's true. That's not. Uh, they we'll were fly. lying. They we'll, were, we'll, put a, we'll put a link. To, we'll put a link to it in the show notes for those who are interested. Oh, and uh, I don't think that's she's working. Uh, she's a plant manager. She's a one of their bigger executives. So she's running the show down in South Africa. So they're yeah. going to be down there for. They're going to be down there for three or four years. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they went down there for the drifting, right? Basically, yeah. All the power drifting. Yeah, that's cool. It was either that or Tokyo. They'll uh, and they chose. They chose South Africa. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's why they put the wheels on the other sides for the drifting. Just for the drifting. Yep. yep. Oh, I mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, the other day I saw someone driving a, a right hand 
steer. I don't, is that what you would call a right-hand steer car the other day driving around here? Let's say yes. Now, did you report them to the police? Why would I report them to the police? I don't know. You either do that or you take the law into your own hands. Is my name Chris Narkjus? No, it's not. Maybe it should be. I've I've heard about you calling uh, calling on your neighbors, calling the police. No, that's my wife. Okay, yeah. it's not me. She, uh, she gets yeah. she gets all wound up. I let her take care of it. All right. Just enough, about, enough about cars and, and and my family and imaginary food conglomerates. It turns out I don't type very well. Why you bring that up? Well, you know, we got time to fill. Uh, yeah, uh, I try to spell things correctly and not leave typos on the website for like three weeks. But then sometimes I do. Oh, this is about what I said to you before the show. You said there were some embarrassing, and I emphasize the word embarrassing. Typos. And then you you said my mom is an embarrassing typo. No, I think I said you were an embarrassing typo. I did not bring your mother into this. Are you sure about that? No, you're the one who typed in the pirate pad that your name is. Your mom is an embarrassing typo. Oh, I think that's just a macro going out of control. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. Right. Define X. Your mom is, and then fills it in. I don't think this Mondal is... I don't think that this is a real thing. It is a real thing. It's in the show notes. If it's in the show notes, it must be real. That's the rule of podcast show notes. World's favorite snacks brands. First off, I don't think that's grammatically correct. You would say snack brands. You say you you went to school for maths. In in, uh, England, they do. Yeah, I know, but not, I mean, like not in the real world. Or do you go, do you play sport? Do you play fantasy sport? We're just really aiming to alienate as many people as possible today, right? Who here is from England? (laughs) Oh, we can't hear anybody because it's a podcast. Oh, my bad. Yeah, this is a one-way street, guys. (laughs) Stay over there. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, Mondelay International, that's who my... Sister-in-law works for Mondolay International. Yep. Answering it used, to be the part, it used to be part of Kraft Foods. Mm-hmm. Then Kraft mm-hmm. bought somebody else. Right. They bought Nest. They bought Nestle, and then Nestle. Mm-hmm. What? Yes, they bought Nestle, and then whatever whatever organizations that can't that uh, only accept really humongous bribes, so they couldn't bribe them enough. They said you have to split this thing up into two smaller ones. Split mm-hmm. this big thing up into two small ones, so they have Kraft Foods and they have Mondelay. But they're wetting their beak on both of them, right? I, I would imagine so. If they weren't, then they're just simply doing it wrong. Well, the first thing I can tell is that this is not American. No, they're not American. They're, it says right there, Mondelay International. It's like Vanderlei Industries, right? Just the name says not America. Yeah, that's true. Come but, on, how many Amer- how many American companies put international in their name? I, I bet the answer is zero, because as most Americans know, there is no world outside of America. Well, Therefore, why worry about exactly. it? Exactly. International? But, what? International? What does that mean? Uh, I think it means uh, going 
to the Bahamas. Yes, or to the uh, the Canary Islands. Mm, no, yeah. no, the Caymans, where they stash all their money. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so far we've been talking to people about cars, mm-hmm. and we've been talking to people yeah. about about uh, international finance. This is this is the part services we've learned about. This is what you learn when you do a lot of writing: is that you should tell people what they just learned, and then you tell them what they're going to learn. Well, now we're going to talk about how Ed has become a, that the downside of Ed selling out to a startup that Ed has to work with one of the most difficult to master technologies uh, in the entire uh, tech industry. I am, of course, talking about Java. Let's just have a moment of silence for Ed's career. It, you know, it looked really bright. And then you said, graph databases? What could go wrong? And now you're on Twitter moaning about Java. Oh, my God. First now, off. I, to, now, yeah, go I, I was going to say I told you so, but I told you so. Oh, somehow I got, oh, this is terrible. Um, what, are you like, what are you building the Java SDK now? Yes. Uh, the, no. and, I thought your bo- and I thought your bosses were cool. I thought so, so too. Not- Here's the problem. This was not our first choice. I don't think it was anybody's first choice, but here's why I have started to uh, do a little Java programming. It's because um, we're working on extensions to the Neo4j graph database. Things that do additional functionality that we'll add on and offer to people, right? And because Neo4j is written in Java, you need to use uh, Java or some other JVM language that can access the libraries uh, to write these extensions. And it's not the only, we could have done these things a different way, but if we wanted something that was nice and self-contained and use the same authentication that the server uses and all that jazz, it uh, would have been like a Rube Goldberg device to write it in some other language because the only access that you have is you would have the, uh, the HTTP API, the RESTful API that, that it exposes. And you could conceivably write something like a separate program, and then it would like authenticate by doing some kind of call into the database and seeing if it worked or not and all that jazz. But the point is that we thought, that seems kind of stupid. Probably we should stick with this Java thing. And also it was mostly written anyway, supposedly mostly. <laughs> um, so uh, that's why... It's one of those cases where it's the right tool for the job, but not the tool anyone really wants to use. Um, but it's not really all that horrible necessarily. I don't think the Java language itself is all that bad. Um, it is sort of like what somebody described it to me as it's like symphony, but a thousand times worse. Uh, no, well, well, given given how uh, given how Java how uh, the on, given the ongoing Javification of PHP, you should do just fine then. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's certainly some similarities uh, in terms of like the object models are similar and stuff like that. There's different scoping issue. Like scope is different in Java. There's a couple of uses. 
So did you give uh, any thought to like using other JVM languages? Yeah. Like, uh, like Scala, what's the other yeah. Akka, Scala, Akka, and Closure There's are, the first, are the first three yeah. to come to mind when I think about JVM. Or you languages. could use, I could have, I mean, one of the things I looked at was the Python Java implementation. The J, you know, really? Python JV. Well, because I know Python at least well enough, right? Um, but here's the thing. It's not really, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of about the language. But it's really about the tool sets and the documentation, right? And I don't know the tool sets for any of this stuff very well, any of the Java-oriented or JVM stuff very well. I just don't know that stuff. So it's going to be a pain in the ass. And then it's not, you can get some, the documentation is available for developing these extensions, it is exclusively in Java. There occasionally you'll find an article where somebody will say, yeah, I started messing around with this to do it in Scala. But that's like it. There's just very little information about it. And when you go into a situation where you're not really f- sort of familiar with it, um, you kind of want to go, I think, where the documentation and the support is is the highest. Otherwise, I would feel like, well, I have to figure out how like to even get, say, the Jython stuff working, for example. Uh, you know, let alone the fact that it also there's no documentation for what I'm trying to do. So I'd have to try to figure that out itself. Um, it's it would be easy like if I said, oh, I already know how to write this in Java. Well, and this is how you connect, say, from Python and call Java libraries from Python and in in, in using the Jython interpreter. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Well, this is how I connect it together. But I'm not like that's not I'm not there, right? I'm more like I don't really understand how any of this stuff works. I don't know how any of these tools work and stuff like that, and. So I really need people to who are I need to go where there's the most support, and that's where that is right now. So, um, it's still you know I'll have the some time where it's like for part of a day things go really well and I get some stuff done, and then I go for another part of a day and nothing works, and like the documentation just lies to me, and it doesn't work the way it's supposed to, and. Uh, I have to learn like 80 different tools to make stuff work and it's all a bunch of XML files and then there's other XML files over here and I don't know how they relate to each other and it's all very confusing. Um, One thing that I've kind of observed with Java stuff compared to say PHP or Python or Ruby um, I can't maybe other communities like Go or other, you know, other languages are like this. The Java stuff, when you go and read things, it reads and you're, you're looking up a topic. It always seems like things are oriented or written with the idea that you already know most of what's going on and you just need a small piece of knowledge that will pick it up for you. There's not a lot of stuff out there that sort of assumes that you're a beginner with stuff. And I find that that is, it is better in say PHP. It is better. I'd say in 
my one of my experiences have been to some extent with Ruby, with Python to some extent. Um, but PHP actually does, I think, a pretty good job of like saying, no, these are the exact steps you need to take. Uh, and but you know, maybe I'm biased because you know I'm just really familiar with PHP and I don't have those same experiences, you know, coming into a language uh, from uh, you know from without the experience, but. The, you know, the, the Java language itself is not too bad. If you if you know PHP pretty well, you're it's not that hard to pick up Java. It's really not that different. The stuff that's complex is they have all the, like the standard library is huge. The, um, there's tons and tons of libraries, uh, like third-party libraries, and how you pull those things in is not obvious. Like, the stuff that we have, like with Composer, uh, or if you use, say, pip uh, in uh, Python, that stuff is way easier to use. Uh, just way, way easier to use. And simpler and more straightforward. And um, it's mu- the stuff that uh, that's out there for Java is... It, uh, it usually much more complex. Like, there's a tool, Maven, which seems to be the most popular... Or one that at least a lot of people use. Maven. Right, and, it's a and, build tool. Um, I think it came see the, out of... What's the, what's the other one? I think Ant was like the first attempt. Ant was the first one. And Maven. Because I know about Maven from uh, my time screwing around with trying to get Jenkins configured. Yeah, right. That, mm-hmm. that there are lots and lots of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the correct word. Plugins that are that let you execute tasks using Maven. Well, exactly. Um, Jenkins. See, yeah. that's the thing. Is It's like they don't... My experience is that when you they write stuff for Java, they write it with the idea, and this is sort of diametrically opposed to how I tended would like to do things. They they don't write stuff that's like it solves a single use case, and that this tool does this. There you go, right? They write stuff which and their build tools, their libraries, or everything that tries to be it's it's very very configuration oriented and and tries to serve as many use cases as possible that's my experience with it so it'll be a lot of stuff that's very extensible and very and oftentimes very very abstract uh with a lot of stuff um and a lot of abstraction in in uh in all the tools uh or in all the libraries um and which is not necessarily bad. Sometimes you need that. But what I find is that the majority of the time you don't need that, at least the stuff that I build. And so as a consequence, I find that stuff to be needlessly complex. Um, and I think it's, I, I think where you end up needing it is when you're trying to serve as many use cases as possible. That's my belief. And I think that there's a sort of a, an, an overriding sort of not uh, modus operandi in in uh, in Java that you want to write stuff to serve as many use cases as possible, and so you talk about Maven as a build tool. Maven does like a billion fucking different things. It is watch, a watch de- the language. <laughs> yeah, it's a dependency manager. That's the first thing that I wanted to do with it. I just wanted it to be a dependency manager. 
Um, the dependency management is super complex just in and of itself. There's all sorts of phases. It's like, well, dependencies and when do you use them? It could be in like seven different you know, cases that you would need this dependency or not. It could be in the compile thing or the package or the install or the just testing, or there's like six different kinds of states that the dependency could exist in. That's just the dependency stuff. And then there's all these other things that do stuff like compile and package and install and test and run and exec. And my God, it is complex. It is so complex and it is very, it is, this is, this has been kind of my experience across the board is that there isn't a lot of emphasis there uh, in writing and in making stuff accessible and writing something that just does thing, a single thing. Well, um, there's lots and lots and lots of complexity. It's sort of like if you took like the approach of like the doctrine project and applied it to every single thing you do or right. You you know, I work with one of the leads for doctrine. That's great. And that's fine. And that's okay. But to me, I I can hear you holding back a snicker, Ed. I can, (laughs) no, I'm sure it's fine. But the point is, it's uh, it's like my tendency would be, well, I don't want to adopt 35 other things just to do this one task. And that one task is I want something that's just going to, say, resolve dependencies for me. Or I want something that says, okay, uh, how do I read a config file? I want a simple library to read config files. There's like, there's several different ones in Java. And they're all really fucking complex. Okay, so if we bring this around to the supposed technical topic of the of the podcast, as opposed to where we talked about global food conglomerates and yep. car purchases. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. Would you say that this is a case where if we apply the really derogatory old dog label to ourselves, would you say that ha- that that the decision to pick up Java as a tool because you need to use it for whatever reason. Yes. It's, it's, it is the best tool for this job. Right. So do you think your experience as a programmer is helping you or hindering you in your task as you learn uh, to become effective with Java? Oh, I think it's helping. I really do. I think that I'm able to pick up language stuff. Like the language stuff is not an issue because I already, because PHP essentially has a light version of the Java object model. I mean, so if you understand what abstracts are, interfaces are, and you understand public private protected, if you understand, if you, it's a C style language, you, you know, it, that stuff is all really pretty common and it is very, you know, PHP is very similar. Uh, Java has some more stuff it can do. Um, and so there's some differentiation, but it's it's so it's not identical. But if you read it, you're not going to be like, what the fuck is this? It's not like reading Erlang or something like that, where, you know, if you just knew PHP, you'd be like, I do not know what the hell's going on here. Um, I think if like I had only written Python or Ruby, I think I would have a much harder time with it because, um, you know, say Python's class system and object model is fairly different 
I mean, it's, I mean, I know I can see where it diverges and I can tell the differences and I sort of am aware of it, but uh, I think if I only did Python or if I only did Ruby, I think it would be hard because they're syntactically different. Um, and I think the syntax is always an issue. I think that's just, you know, people will be like, I don't like this or like, it's just because it's not familiar and it's hard to pick up. So if there's a different syntax that makes it that's a just a barrier of entry that always is like that and java is real similar um i think it helps that i re, you know that i wrote a lot of javascript too so any other issues you know javascript is looks kind of like java um so yeah actually i think knowing a few you know i primarily know php and javascript and python in that order probably and i think knowing those means that i was able to pick this stuff up much faster um i think i think in some ways my frustration level is high because i look at it and say i could do this task faster you know, the task of like dependency management, I've done, I've seen dependency management in, using other systems, you know, using PIP in Python or using Composer in PHP or using NPM with JS or Bower with JS or things like that. And I know they just do a better job. It is just faster. It is simpler. It is, it doesn't, it's, it's kind of like the difference between, um, It's like looking at something and it's, it's like, you know, it's like the difference between an old Blackberry and a, uh, but this isn't, this isn't a good example. No, it, it, it's, it's looking at something that has like a really, really complex control panel and then something that has like four buttons, right? And sometimes you need that super, super complex control panel. But my experience is that you probably you usually don't. You just need the thing that has like a cursor control and like one button in it or something like that. And in Java, everything seems like it's written to be like this super complex control panel system that has bunches of abstractions because they want you to be able to like do any single fucking thing with it. And so... I'm frustrated because I've looked at it and I've seen this could be better, but it's not. And I got to do it. So realistically I can probably do that. I'm doing this. I think a lot faster than I would if I was not as experienced. I know I I'm doing that, but it's still fucking frustrating (laughs) because I'm not happy with it. And what's really frustrating is when you run into it and you're like, I know how to do this in three other languages and I know because I know the tool sets and things like that. It's not just the language, it's the tool sets, really. It is the tools that are wrapped around it. And I could do this in three other, like, I guess you'd say, what, what's the stacks, okay, let's say, or development environment, whatever you fucking call it, that's fine. I know how to do it in those things. And then I get this in Java and I'm, and I'm like, why the fuck doesn't this thing show up? Why doesn't this dependency you know, show? Because, well, it's because you've got like such complex systems just in terms of like class paths and XML files that Maven defines dependencies in and, you know, how are your dependencies installed and how does it resolve where things are and stuff like that? And it's so fucking complex 
that you're just like, I know how to do this in all these other ways, these all these other things, and I don't know how to do it here. And God damn, it is so irritating. Um, and that's really frustrating. Um, but you know, one of the things I I think I learned at my previous job that I feel it's helped a little bit has been. You know, I went into that and that was a really complex system. It was written to PHP, but it was a really complex system. And I just had to ask questions all the time. And I wasn't really used to that. And I think I learned to not be afraid of doing that and that it's okay if I don't understand it. And if worse comes to worse, I can just ask somebody. And, you know, eventually I'm probably just going to ask about some of these things. Or I ask, you know, I work with Jeremy Kendall. I might ask him. And if he doesn't know, then I might bug the the CEO, who is probably the one who knows Java the best there, but unfortunately he's out, you know, trying to get people to give us money or things like that, which is not what I should be doing for sure. So that is, uh, you know, I've got options there, you know, or we could go hit up the people at Neo4j and be like, I can't figure out how the fuck to do this. Please help me. And they would, you know, probably do that. So there's lots of options out there. And I, th- I think that that's another big tacit or big thing that I've had to learn how to do. And I think I'm better at it now because of my experience with, uh, with being able to ask questions and say, dude, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. This thing doesn't work. I don't understand why it's work, why it doesn't work. Can you please help me? And, you know, and then you get through that and you're okay. And, uh, and you're better for it. And, and your experience as a developer is means that you're probably going to be in a better position to solve those problems than quickly. You just need those pieces of information here and there. Um, I think that, uh, what, uh, code rabbi said, Yitz, uh, said, uh, in his, uh, Talmudic maxims talk about, you know, seeking out people to help you call them mentors or what have you. It really makes that process go so much better than sort of like, you know, just fumbling around the dark and trying to make things work. And, uh, that, uh, definitely I think is something that I endorse pretty heavily and helps a lot when you're unfamiliar with stuff. Yeah. Pro tip kids always ask for help. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask. I know lots of people ego and pride and then other weird personality traits make them not want to, uh, not want to ask. Help. Like I can figure this out. I can do this by myself. That's you want to talk about old dogs learning stuff. That's another thing to learn. Like I, where I've learned, like if somebody who I work with is better at this particular, whatever it happens to be, I'm going to go ask them how to do it. Why should I, why should I, uh, um, figuratively pound my head against the desk to try to figure it out. You know, one thing I was actually hoping for was that I wanted, I was going to ask in the PHP mentoring channel, if there's somebody who is familiar with Java and PHP who could help me because we'd sort of have this point of reference that I think would help where you can say, Oh, you know how it's like that? In PHP? And like, oh yeah. Okay. Well, it's like this. I really want to find somebody like that. Also, there's a better chance that I'd do that. I, who, would it, who would admit to knowing both PHP and Java? That's a very good question. That's a very good question. I know who the core PHP folks. Boom, boom. One, you know who I... Kn- Sick burn! <laughs> I saw a, a good article that actually I started as sort of a, a really early reference point was... Um, it was Java for Python programmers. And... Uh, Boy, that's a weirder choice because those are 
languages that are full, much farther apart than PHP and Java. Well, that's probably why, because like as you stated, you know, if you're familiar with PHP's object model, it really is just. It really, in many ways, is like Java light in terms of how you need to do things. So I would imagine the transition towards doing Java work is, <coughs> excuse me, a lot less jarring. Like Python is quite different from PHP and very different from Java. Um, it would make sense that um, that something like that a guide a guide for like programmers who are using a language with a very different paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go use Java, that that people who are coming to Java from other programming languages will get a lot out of it. That, I mean, that makes sense to me. Right. Yep. So that's about your fun experience. So the next thing, I guess, we talk about where you know we're talking about the old dog learning to use some Java. In my case, I'm having this interesting experience where I'm attempting to go from one type of teaching to another type of teaching. So if you if you look at doing conference presentations and you've given more than me, but I'm, you know, much like our Java follower account, I'm not that far behind you in terms of the the uh, the did I say Java follower account? Oh my god. Twitter, <laughs> follower, Twitter follower accounts where I was ahead of you for a while and I kept reminding you uh, mm-hmm. and now you know through your little begging for cash so you can right. go talk about how crazy you are. Um, yep. You're mm-hmm. back ahead of me now. Yep. So, uh, so I'm attempting to go from of learning um, a new teaching style, going from basically doing what I would say is one way teaching mm-hmm. to two way teaching. So if, if if you look at giving conference talks as really being one way, right? You are the focus of attention. You are speaking from a position of authority, despite where people think that uh, some speakers don't know what they're talking about, but that's not really the issue. It's the idea of you are projecting your authority onto the, onto the listeners, and you are sharing stuff with them in hopes that they learn something from it. Switching from that to an environment where you are teaching people things um, is actually a very different skill set. So for those who follow me on Twitter, probably know that um, I'm starting to get into doing paid workshops again. So I'm doing one um, in Nashville at the end of July. It's not that far off, maybe about five, six weeks from now. So I'm busy writing the workshop, like, you know, going over all the things I want to talk about. And, um, And it's made me realize that doing workshops is very, very different from doing a conference talk because basically you are speaking and then there's a little bit of time at the end mm-hmm. where, you know, hopefully you can take questions from people or whatever. In this case, it's like I, by necessity, these workshops are very interactive. I'm going to share information and then help the people that attend the workshop um, apply what I've just told them to something. It's kind of like, we're going to start off with a little one thing and we're going to build up and build on it and build on it and build on it. And by the end of the five to six hours, when I'm all done teaching, um, they would have learned something, but it's much more, um, much more interactive than, um, than giving a conference talk. And um, I'll be honest, it's a big challenge because it's, you, you really have to do it differently. And on top of it, you have to understand that when you're teaching people things, um, there's a whole set of assumptions that you just have to get rid of because you have to understand the people that, the people that you're, you're attempting to teach, they are not you. They may have certain aspects of yourself but um, you have to toss a whole bunch of assumptions away. I find myself like staring at my outline and going, "Oh my god, how am I gonna, uh, how am I gonna teach somebody this, this, um, these ideas and concepts that I have for the most part, um, 
internalized. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the idea, like, like Ed, do you really think at this point you could sit down and teach PHP to a non-programmer? I would, it would take some work. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do a good job of it, of explaining programming to a non-programmer. Just all these things that, you know, that I learned 20 plus years ago, even as a kid playing around on a computer. A lot of these just basics I've just internalized. I don't have to think about them. I don't have to try to build mental models for variables and, um, you know, conditional statements and loops and all those things. These are just all things that I just, I I take for granted that I understand completely how they're supposed to work. And Mm -hmm. then having to try to teach somebody, well, why, when do you use a loop and what are the different types of loops for and conditional statements and if statements and switches and else's and all those things. It's like, I just, I've used them so much. I don't really have to think about them anymore. And while I'm not quite at that same level with testing, kind of the basic concepts, I'm like, these are all things that I just do automatically now when I'm looking at stuff. And I've been finding it's been um, a very challenging and humbling thing to like try to pull those things out of my head and get them down into uh, written form in these outlines to figure stuff out, you know? You know what I mean? Yes. I do know what you mean. It's, it is really challenging uh, to take stuff to take those more complex things, especially things that involve certain kinds of uh, mental models and, and complex mental models that you don't, that really you don't encounter in day-to-day life if you're not a developer and then um, explain them to people because it's hard Explain uh, them to people who don't already have that stuff because it's hard. It it is hard stuff to get. The biggest, most complex, you know, the hardest thing, and that probably the most substantial thing that to that's you know hump I think to get over when you're teaching programming is understanding the logic of it and the logic of control structures and things like that, and 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 that stuff is something that you have to really kind of, you know, inch along with and you pick up, you know, very, you, you have to do very, introduce very slowly and look as little, little piecemeal things. And it's very, very hard when you think have thought about it every day for the last 10 years or more to then explain that to somebody who, whose brain simply doesn't, think about things that way because they have not made themselves do that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that, you know, when you do something over and over your, uh, the pathways in your brain just work way faster and things are net seem natural to you and seem obvious to you, but they're not obvious. What you've done is you've built up stuff over time and wired your brain to deal with things in a certain way. And, uh, if you haven't done that, then it's really, really hard to do. And it is a whole other skill to explain stuff like this and teach it. It is not easy. And so people who are good at it are hard to find and really valuable. So there you go. You're really valuable, Chris. I mean, if you're, well, if you are good at what you do, I don't know. God, I know that Ed. It's just have to convince other people that I'm so valuable. I don't actually know if that's the case. Cause I don't go to your talks, but Oh, another dagger. Yeah. 
the hell? Where are you going? No, I was just fooling around with something while you were talking. That's fair. We got it. Showing my, we, showing my usual stunning uh, level of respect for the process. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, I just have a new dock for my phone, and I'm just trying to see if I can get it to work with my... Because I, I recently tried using a um, a wallet case for my phone, and I because I, I really liked it, having all my, you know... Uh, having all my ID and stuff in one place so I don't have to worry about... Because when you go out, it's always like, do I have my phone and my wallet? It's like, no, dummy, they're all together now. So I'm just trying to see dummy. if I can get the... Dummy. I'm trying to see if I can get the dock working. Uh, apparently, there's a way to adjust it so that it will accept um, cases of just about any size. So while you've been commenting, I've been trying to get this thing working. I will take a look at that afterwards. We got an Amazon Echo. What is that? It's a black, small monolith that sits in your house and you ask it questions like a Greek Oracle hmm. and it gives you answers or plays so, music. So it surreptitiously listens into all the conversations you have with, uh, with various members of your family and relays I'm, them back to Amazon. I'm sure it does. Yes. Um, it is sort of, I guess you'd say it is like it is an Amazon version of Siri, Okay, but it is in a, black tube right cylinder thing that sits there and it can do things like it you can tell it to you know save something to your grocery list or to your to-do list or play music from the Amazon music stuff or ask it questions and sometimes it knows it and sometimes it doesn't and yeah, so uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool. We got it for a hundred dollars because we're Prime members, so you get like right. a discount on it. Right. Um, it's n- neat to look at, and it makes pretty lights. And um, if you're invested to some extent, like in Amazon Music, like we are, like we actually we you know uploaded our or MP3s into the Amazon cloud prime music thing. And right. Which is know. like the iTunes cloud thing. right? Yeah. So yeah, except the reason why we went with Amazon or at least I, I went with Amazon is because there's not, you know, iTunes had has like sort of an arbitrary limit. I think of like 25,000 songs and uh, Amazon did not. Um, so anyway, we use that. And so if you're, if you are a prime subscriber, at least in the U.S., where it's cool. Um, Always with the daggers. Well, you're the one who's told me it's not cool up there. Yeah, we don't get music or movies or anything with Amazon Prime. Yeah, so that I, I would be a lot less interested. Um, it's pretty cool for that stuff. Um, I mean, it's not magic, and it, it you know the experience is kind of like Siri. Sometimes you'll ask, and it's like it, what you think is a question that it should be able to answer, and it's just like I don't know what you're talking about. Um, does, it, does it say it in a sassy way? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I don't understand you. Uh, no, no, it's, uh, you know. Complains about your Hoosier accent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, it does. Uh, no, it's, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. A, a good speaker seems to be of high build quality. Um, you know. I, I don't know. It seems pretty cool, I guess. Is it is it Bluetooth powered or anything like that? Or I think or it's can, using can you stream things to it. Uh, I 
right now, I don't think you can stream anything to it like arbitrary audio signals, okay. uh, which would be cool if you could, because then you could send anything that sent that Bluetooth audio um, and then use it like as a, just a Bluetooth speaker, generic Bluetooth speaker. Uh, you can't do that, um, which would be a cool thing if you could. Uh, and I expect that if they keep expanding it, it like they'll probably do that. I mean, give it those capabilities because there's really no reason. I don't think you couldn't do that. It's just, they haven't built that into the software yet. Right. But it'll play like if you have your Amazon, you know, you have your music up there accessible via Amazon, you can play stuff that you've uploaded through the device. Right. right? Or you can play, if you're a prime subscriber, you get access to a lot of, you know, streaming audio that isn't necessarily in your collection. So you can be like, uh, tell it to play a Hall and Oates and it'll start playing Hall and Oates songs for you or things like that. Um, it, uh, the one thing that's confusing to me is that it responds to the name Alexa. Hmm. And that is my sister's name. That could be awkward. It's a little weird. Now, admittedly, not a common name, you know, but I happen to be in that situation that I have a sister of that name. But so you can only change it. You can change it to respond to Amazon. So either Amazon or Alexa, one of those two, that's it. Uh, So and I guess what they the lie that they tell you is that it doesn't listen to you until you say the word. So you said, I'm sure it's stealing all of my conversations right now, but, uh, it's pretty cool. I I guess, uh, you know, it, it is, it, it seems to be a very well-made piece of hardware. I'll say that it is solid. The lights are very bright. It is impressive looking. Uh, the speakers sound great. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a jawbone from Jambox. Yeah. Right. Uh, that I use all the time that I bought a couple of years ago, a Bluetooth speaker. I'm actually quite surprised at the good quality sound that comes out of it. So to go back to the, to the, my little discussion on, on teaching strategies, have you ever done mm. workshops, technical workshops with people, Ed? Cause I can't remember if we've ever talked about this before. You know, I have done. I I have done I think a couple of those like say three hour or so or longer tutorial kind of things. One right. I one or two was at a conference, and then I know I did one or two when I was working at Purdue to do uh, stuff about secure web programming. Um, so it's. Um, you know, I guess it d- depends a little bit on how you define a workshop, you know, uh, in the sense that I, I'm not sure that I've done one where it was like, okay, guys, here, everybody come and bring your laptops and we're all going to install the same software and we're going to work through it all at the same time. And this is how that's going to go. I, I don't, I've done things kind of like that, but not really. I don't think I've done one sort of professionally. Um, but I've done what I guess I would call tutorial stuff or long form jazz odyssey talking, uh, like, so I've done stuff kind of like that. Yeah. But I haven't, the one thing I probably, I haven't done anything where it was like, 
And I think it's gonna be really challenging because I have thought about like wanting to do beginning programming stuff, you know, using, uh, you know, PHP or something else. Right. Right. And that stuff is not, uh, and I've definitely thought about it and I've thought that that is probably very hard. And uh, that's something that requires a lot of work or reliance on work that other people have done to help you with that. Um, we did a, a few things to do at, at my kid's school where they, uh, uh, taught some basic programming stuff, but really what they did was they had some, a few kids come in and they just did, went through some lessons on Khan Academy that other people had written, obviously. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so that's probably the limit of my experience, the the extent of it. I'm I'm just curious because, like I said, I really feel like like learning the skill set to to do an effective like teaching session with feedback and guiding students for lack of a better phrase mm-hmm. through uh, exercises and getting them to do stuff. It's very, very different from doing um, very, very different from doing uh, just a talk. I know I gave a, I did a tutorial at a tutorial session um, at PHP tech last year. I think it was, mm-hmm. Maybe it was the year before mm-hmm. I did one and it went horribly because right. I just, that's where I learned how much of this stuff I had internalized and was not good at properly communicating to people. Well, and that's why you weren't asked back. <sighs> hey, don't look at me. I haven't been, had a talk accepted there in like three years. Well, I couldn't complain too much when I saw that Sebastian Bergman was there talking. So, can't. That would have been good if you were the guy who gave the the, the workshop. <laughs> yeah, would have been bad for everybody this time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't want that. We don't want the guy that created PHP to give him the talk. Let's give the grumpy Canadian the uh, the tutorial. So, I didn't even submit a tutorial, so I learned my lesson after the first one that I needed to work on actually doing one of these things. We're all um, thankful again. for that. Mm. Yes, I know. Thank you. You're, you know, your support and lack thereof means so much to me, Ed. I know. Right. I'm helping. So well, tech next year's tech next year's in St. Louis. So what? Really? No more, yes. No I didn't more, even oh, know that. Oh, you didn't know this? Yeah, because well, you weren't there for the close. Yes, they're no longer doing it in Chicago. So there's two exciting things coming up. So they're doing mm-hmm. it next year in St. Louis at okay. another Sheridan hotel. But it seems it's more like a resort style one. So I we'll see. have the <clears throat> the hotel, all the conference rooms, and there's like four or five restaurants and other stuff there. Because the oh, that's the, good. You know, the Sheridan that were that tech has been at before. It just basically has that one kind of restaurant bar thing there. Yeah, so, right. Um, in the central courtyard. But this one, actually, there's a brewery in there and, and some other stuff. Oh, that's too, cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also doing the return of uh, PHP cruise. They're doing a cruise next summer. Well, that's fun for everybody. So, yes. So um, I'm thinking I'm going to bring my wife with me for that one next summer, I think. You're going to make her hang out with these people? Hell yeah. Okay, fair enough. Hell yeah. I've never She's been on a cruise, have you? Uh, the only cruise I've ever done is the Thousand Islands cruise in eastern Ontario and upstate New York, where you go and explore the Thousand Islands, and uh, um, you go on the U.S. side to this uh, Heart Island where this super rich guy at the turn of the century was um, building a castle for his wife, mm-hmm. and he got it. He got it about halfway done, right. and then his wife died. And after his wife died, he's like, "Yep, we're done. Everyone, get out." And it just sat there. Oh. Um, unfinished for like 50 years mm-hmm. got vandalized and other stuff and then back in the I don't know 1980s or something 
I think now 80s or 90s, maybe in the 90s, early 90s, um, the U.S. Park Service. Uh, is that the correct term for them? Is that what they're called? The U.S. Parks? Anyway, Let's say yes. In, whoever in the U.S. is in charge of all the national parks uh-huh, um, right. managed to finally get their hands on it. Um, and they've been fixing it all up. Because I remember going as a kid because my um, my grandmother on my mother's side lives out towards that part of Ontario. And so I do remember going out to visit them. And then we went on the Thousand Islands cruise. And I do remember this big humongous house slash castle thing was like five stories. And it just wasn't finished. So there were parts where there was tons of graffiti on the wall and stairways that went nowhere and parts that were boarded up that you couldn't get into because like the floors had rotted away and stuff. And so over like in the last, I guess maybe 20 years or so um, it's been fixed up. There's still parts that aren't done, but um, it's, uh, it's very interesting to me anyway, but that's, so the cruise to go see that one is about three hours long. So they do a little recorded messages as you go along in the boat and they point things out and then they stop over at, uh, at Hart Island. It's in, Mm -hmm. it's part of New York, it's in New York state and, um, get to explore it. We went, I went, uh, this past summer and had, took my youngest and, um, and my wife came and it was really good. Now, were you served a meal? Nope. It's not that type of cruise. They have like a just basically like a snack bar. Not a not a salad. Nope. Now if they if they that was it if they did have a salad. Don't go there. I know where you're going with that. What what dressing would you order? Yes, I'd order ranch. God damn it! Thousand Islands was actually invented there. That's why it's called. Thousand Islands. Well, duh. That's the guy he invented it, and that that's where he made his money. No, his no, no, no. His cat, the guy who did the castle, mm-hmm. Bolt Castle. There's yeah. a link in the show notes. He's the one that started Thousand Islands dressing. He invented it, but that's not how. He oh made yeah, his that was, he was that's like, Paul Newman, right? <laughs> uh, who knew that we'd be talking about salad dressing? Or actually, I thought you're also not only going to do the Thousand Islands thing. I thought there was going to be a little tossing your salad reference in there too. But I am not that vile. That's yeah. It's obscene. That's that's. You are one of the most violent seen people I know. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, so you're giving a workshop in Nashville. When are you giving it? July. I'd have to look at the calendar. July 24th. Okay. So I might get this out before then. Uh, Yes, July 24th. Uh, And I'm hoping to do one later in the year in Atlanta. And uh, if that goes well, I would also hoping that I can be smart, smart enough to plant during a cold winter month to do one in California, in San Diego. I'm hoping, got my fingers crossed. I spoke to, when I was at Tech, I spoke to the gentleman who's one of the organizers for the San Diego PHP users group mm-hmm. about coming down there. So I mentioned I was starting to do these workshops and I said, if this first one goes well, then I would love to come down and do one of them in San Diego. I've been, right. It's been a long, long time since I went to San Diego and it sure would be nice to go someplace warm when it's Fucking balls cold up in Canada. Balls cold. Balls cold. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I uh, am going to be on the other side of the country when you're in Nashville, so I'm not going to see you. Are you going to be in California? Eh? Uh, I am going to be in Portland. Oh, Portland. Oh, uh, OSCON or Open? There will be OSCON then. Uh, right. It will be Open Source Bridge next week. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. How many talks you given an open source bridge? Two. They foolishly you're doing, you're doing your, allowed me doing, to do uh, I'm crazy and so can you. Yep. And then what's the other talk? And then I am not a good developer. Oh, that one. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
your autobiograph autobiographical talk. It's a good one. Yep. Mm-hmm. I am not a good developer. Yeah. Uh, given those two, uh, it was a terrible mistake. Should not have. Uh, it should not have submitted both. Yeah, but you begged for uh, cash. You're all good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just I don't like to work for the cash. Um, story of your life. I know, you? right? I know. Uh, yeah. So, so that's happening, and uh, and then uh, in August, I'm going to Laracon, which I think is about Lara Flynn Boyle. <laughs> that's the that's the conference. I think I'm actually physically banned from attending. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'll make you kids talk to each other one of these days. Oh, I'd have to put on uh, uh, sunglasses and a baseball hat to attend Lara. Oh yeah, <laughs> and a fake beard. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd I'd do the. I wonder if I could do like a fake knot beard. I wonder how that would work. Like if you had a beard, and you like a skull cap for your to, face. To go, <laughs> Dude, what happened to you? Oh, it's a horrible industrial accident. <laughs> accident. It's very badly burned. Um, yes, I actually yeah. stopped blocking Mr. Otwell, so we'll have to see how that goes. I. Yeah, I think growth is a human, yada, yada, yada. You, right, you're both people who are passionate about stuff. And I think that you have, a- except he's wrong and we're just going to move on. Sure. Okay. Um, and then, uh, but that's just a little short drive because uh, Louisville is only a couple hours away from me. And uh, so that's August and September. I'm going to Seattle. Yes, and I will be there as well. What? Uh, when are you getting in? Because uh, I was going to be flying in on the Wednesday. Oh, not that and, soon. Oh, like Thursday. And doing the t- and oh, okay. Well, because I was flying in on the Wednesday and was going to do touristy stuff on the Thursday, and then they have a speakers dinner on the Thursday night. So, uh, if this gets out in time, anyone who's going to be at Pacific Northwest PHP, uh, who's going to be there early enough on Thursday, um, I would love to hang out and I wanted to like check out the space needle and some of the other sites in Seattle and maybe schlep on over to card kingdom, which is a big humongous, as you can imagine, magic, the gathering store. Mm-hmm. So hoping just, to, I got permi- I got permission from she who must be obeyed to go a day earlier. So oh, I that was nice. check some of those things about, yeah. Cause I said, I said to my wife, I've never been to Seattle. I would like to go. It's a cool city. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've never been, and I am really, really uh, looking uh, forward forward to going. Um, I am giving one talk. I'm doing a brand new talk mm-hmm. um, about smelly tests. So basically, talking to people about do's and don'ts for tests. And uh, I can say this is this is definitely a talk that draws on um, a lot of personal experience working with code bases for several different companies mm-hmm. and some of the kind of interesting things that I have found in tests. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that talk would be well received. And I'd like to give that in a bunch of different places. Um, any summer vacation plans, Ed going anywhere? No, pretty much. I think what I've just told you is my summer vacation. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. The kid is at computer camp. Yeah. And I was lamenting that he hadn't already hacked the, uh, um, hack the Gibson that you have stashed in the closet. At home. I know, right? Kind of, right. Kind of, we, kind of disappointed. We do poke a hole for. Uh, I shouldn't tell you that. I'll tell you that offline. But we do have a couple holes in the uh, in the firewall for things. So he's probably broken in and destroyed everything by now. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I'm going to Prince Edward Island uh, in the last week of July. Is that the so, uh, the canned, or is that the uh, the fresh Prince Edward. I'm you're talking about you're confusing that with Prince Albert. I did I confuse those things. 
and yes. I will allow you to continue. Uh, yes, I'm actually going there for a vacation, bringing uh, be my wife and my youngest because my oldest is going on a super expensive uh, European cruise with her two aunts at the end of this month, and I just received the bill. And all I can say is, please buy my books. <laughs> wait, like, wait, really, honestly, you're going with the aunts. She's going with the no, aunts, but she's going with the aunts. You have yes. to pay for it. Shouldn't the aunts pay for yes. it? Yes. <sighs> I don't think I want to get into Maybe we can talk about it in Dev Hell After Dark. But uh, um, yes, she's going on a cruise with her two aunts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Her, her cousin. They're doing a Mediterranean cruise. Um, uh, like all teenagers, it's too much trouble to go on an all-expenses-paid cruise to Europe. Um, so we're dealing with that. And then we're going to go to Prince Edward Island. And we're going to be visiting a friend of mine, uh, hopefully staying with him while we're there. A uh, long, long-time friend of mine from back when I first got into the simulation baseball hobby my friend mm-hmm. joe rainsberger jb rains on twitter who in some kind of weird uh, coincidence he also became a programmer obsessed with testing but he has been much much better at teaching people about testing than i have and he has the sweetest scam going where he has set his life up in such a way that he only works a couple months out of the year um, he's a very, very smart man, and I'm hoping when I go to visit him to uh, pick his brain and see how I can make it so that grumpy learning is the only thing that I do, and it keeps us going. He talks about it as being serial retirement, and it seems to be a very appealing mm. thing if I can figure it out. I want to remind you that um, in most countries, heroin is illegal. <laughs> Who said anything about heroin? Oh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's meth all the way, dude. Fair enough, fair enough. I got my connection across the street, dude. Oh yeah, that's nice. You got you got actually, sure. in all honesty, I haven't seen that guy in almost a year, so I, I imagine he's in jail. Cool. So, so the quality of my meth has gone way, way down. I'm kind of disappointed. Fair enough. Yeah. So you've noticed the drop off. Yeah, I've noticed the drop off. Yeah. But anyway. Ending our podcast, as we always do, with an incredibly related topic. This has been episode number 63 of the Development Hell podcast. 63! 63! Nine times. What did you say? Nine, nine sevens? Seven nines? We talked seven about nines before. or nine sevens. Yeah. Seven nines. Uh, I'd like to thank our awesome sponsors, Rove and Wonder Network. Gary, I know you're going to listen tomorrow. I know I talk shit about you all the time, but I'm going to miss you when you go off to shill IDEs with uh, PHP Storm. I will not lobby for you to be banned from the Rove back channel uh, when you're working for somebody else. Going to miss you, and going to, and hopefully we uh, the company can be proper stewards of the Rove Foundation that you've set up. He's going to get JetBrains to sponsor us, right? Uh, I would say that's pretty much a windmill uh, dunk slam. We'll get them on the game. nice. Nice. Take some of that IDE money, son. So we'll, uh, I'll, I'll speak to Gary about that. Good job. Because, you know, he does have to switch from uh, from uh, skimming from one stream to skimming to another. So I'm sure he's going to get in on that. Mm-hmm. So as always, you can find every single episode that we've ever done of the podcast at our website, devhell.info, where Ed 
always does an awesome job of not only picking podcast episode titles, but finding super appropriate and always safe for work <laughs> graphics. Um, archives are there. You can listen to every show. Along with show notes, um, we have a bunch of extensive notes um, for, th- for this episode, and some of them actually even have to do with programming. Right. Uh, you can also listen to us via iTunes. If you do listen to us via iTunes, please, please, please rate the show. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, we do like to get feedback on what parts of the show worked, what didn't. Uh, we're always open to listening to guests if there's some people you'd like us to try to talk to or browbeat into submission because Lord knows we need to pick a fight with somebody because we haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. Um, and you can find us on Twitter as well at dev underscore hell. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Grumpy Programmer without the U. You can find Ed on Twitter as Funkatron with the U. As always, thanks to everyone in IRC for joining us and for those who listen to the live stream. Thanks again for tuning in. And uh, we will talk to you all soon. Good night, Internet.